0: Carrie, would you pray for our time together in the word and worship?
1: Father, as the body of Christ, we have a responsibility to intercede on behalf of those that suffer today in your name, God. Father, I pray that you would strengthen your persecuted church, Lord, that you would give them grace and mercy and courage, Father, and hope. I pray, God, that for those that are jailed today in your name, that you would bring them comfort Father, if it's your will, I pray that they would be released, God. I pray for those, God, that are suffering in pain today, God. I pray for those that have lost loved ones, God, because of their commitment to the faith. I pray in the name of Jesus that their eyes would be focused and fixed upon you and you alone. And I pray that your word would continue to spread, God. And I pray for those that are, um, God, persecuting them. Father, I pray that their hearts would be broken that their eyes would be open, Father, and they would have a Damascus Road experience, Lord, Lord. that they would come to know you, God. I thank you for the freedom that we have in this country to worship you for however long we have it, God. I pray, God, that we would never take it for granted, Lord. And God, I pray as we come together to worship you, it would be in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: loved us so much that you sent your one and only son. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the gift of eternal life for those who believe upon him and that are saved and have been born again. Thank you, Father, for this new year and this time that we're able to gather together in this new year, to worship you, to open your word, to be encouraged by the Holy Spirit. Pray, God, that we would be attentive, Lord, as you're leading us in our time together. Pray God it would be a time that would be honoring to you, that it would equip us, Father, in order to, to go from this place and to live it out. That we wouldn't just be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers of the word and that we would be about our Father's business. So we look to you, Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. We rely upon you, Holy Spirit, to comfort us, to teach (coughs) us, to guide us, to lead us into all truth. So have your way among us and in us and through us, Father, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Community is the word for 2022. I had Carrie, or I did, someone sent out the notes that I was going to share on New Year's Eve, and hopefully you've read through them. If not, I would just encourage you to go back and read through them. I'm going to kind of go over them today. We'll look at Scripture starting next week. And throughout this year, we will focus on what it means to live in community, what Christian fellowship looks like, what the church should be doing and um, representing her king. The church belongs to Jesus. He is building His church. He is returning for His church. And oh, how I pray that you're excited to be a part of the church, the body of Christ, but community. And I, and here are the definitions I want to kind of put before us. The first one is a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common the second one a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes interests, and goals community in 2021 we focused on the three r's repent resolve and release it was to be a year of individual growth to better serve the lord and others To think of others before we think of ourselves. And we're carrying that into 2022 as we are looking to commit to maturing in our relationships with others. Understanding who we are as the church. Not just our fellowship, but the church, the body of Christ. It's time for the church to gather and rise to her destiny. She has been called out of darkness and brought into his marvelous light. Too many of us want to reap the benefits of community, but never be a part of the community. And so it is as well with the kingdom principles. Many want the benefits of his kingdom, but no relationship with the king, with Jesus. And how sad. Remember, we are behind enemy lines, and the war is raging all around us. And will continue until the Lord returns. But Jesus is victorious. And that is how we are to view our lives. From that perspective. Because our identity is in Christ. We are living out of victory. The victory he obtained. We are not living out of a place of defeat. Of despair. Because greater is he that is in us. Than he that is in the world. 1 John 4 4 declares that. And the word of God tells us he has given us everything we need to live a godly life. 2 Peter 1 3. We are called to encourage one another and build each other up. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, we don't really need to write to you, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceable and secure, <clears throat> Peaceable and secure. Then disaster will fall on them, and suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains began, and there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night, so be on guard not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-hearted, protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. And hone in on verse 11 there. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are doing. You see, that is what we're called to, to encourage, to edify, and to build each other up. We are in error if we say and believe that you don't need to go to church. Mm. Where is that in the Bible? Mm. The enemy will love nothing more than to pull us apart, sow division, and isolate us from one another. We are to be working together, functioning as a body, each of us using our gifts that the Holy Spirit has distributed among us to accomplish our Father's will. I've always encouraged us to be a healthy member of the body of Christ. You are needed and you are purposed for this generation. He has prepared good works for you to do, not in and of your own strength, but through him. We are to live out this new life by the Holy Spirit, not our flesh. We are called not to forsake coming together and living out this life in community. Going to church doesn't save you, But it does equip you. So please hear that. Not attending can lead you to error, which ultimately will lead you astray. I have said over the past year or so that the way we've done church will not survive in this generation and the generations to come. It's time for the church to return to her roots and grow in Christ and with each other. The Christian life was not meant to be lived in solitude, but in community. Amen. Oh, and just, case, and just in case you think I'm talking about just showing up to a building or to a house, no. It's about connecting and growing with the community of believers that desire to draw close to God and to one another. Also, don't make it about a large group of people. He is there in the middle when two or three or more, when two or more are gathered. I pray that this new year will be we will begin to see the beauty and the value of belonging to Christ and in community with other believers. Oh, how important it is, you all, to understand if my arm was cut off, it couldn't function any longer. It only functions as it's attached. And that the body is healthy. The members of it work (laughs) So that's so important. You're not to live out this new life in Christ on your own. You're to be connected. You're to be uh, contributing to the body. And again, as the Word of God has shown us, the Holy Spirit has distributed gifts to each and every single one of us, and we ought to be using them for the purpose of advancing His kingdom, for His will, not for our own not to grow in our calling, in our ministry, and our anointing. It's not about us. It's about Him. It's about the other. You're to think of others before you think of yourself. You're to serve others before you're demanding to be served. And you should long to be a part of the community, not just take from the community. And so it's so vital that we are protecting what God has given us. And as I've said there in the notes, and as I've said for over a year now or more, listen, it's only getting darker and it's only going to continue to get darker. But that isn't to be a setback for us. <laughs> no, that's a step up for us because we recognize as the world is getting darker and darker, we as the church should be getting brighter and and brighter. How are you burning? It's a question I've asked over the years, not only to you, but to myself. Are you fanning the flame daily? Are you involved in active discipleship? Do you have a life, a devotional life? Are you living for Christ? If you're a Christian, not just by stamping your your life with that word, but truly, genuinely, are you born again? Have you considered the cost? Are you you engrafted into the kingdom of God? Have you nailed your old life to his cross and left it there? Do you understand what it means to war in the spirit? Do you know that he makes your way out of every temptation? Do you know that he is victorious? And we're living lives as so-called Christians making sin greater than our king, our risen savior who defeated it. We have all the excuses of why we keep sinning. Doesn't mean that you won't sin. But like 1 John tells us, I'm writing to you you, so you will not sin, but if you do, remember you have an advocate, Christ Jesus. A Christian life is not based on the sin in their life. The Christian life is based on the victory that's in Christ to overcome and to live a freed life. Not no longer a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. Oh, how you need to be pursuing Christ. Pursuing fellowship with Christ and with other believers. So that your roots are growing down deep. Deep. There's so much going on around the earth. There's so much happening within quote-unquote the religious systems of the day denomination churches everything seems to be bombarded with lies from straight from straight from straight from hell doctrines of demons are advancing further and further and further within the faith community but the Bible tells us that in the last days there would be a great falling away that many people would go and begin to believe teachings of From Demons, today is Religious Freedom Day. I want you to read something to you that I I read from Dr. James Dobson. His ministry wrote, It was designated as such by President Donald Trump in 2020 in order to commemorate the foundational link between freedom and faith in our country. Our founders knew that our newly formed republic would survive only as long as a religious and moral people upheld it. But for too long, government officials have worked to purge religion from the public square. We've seen a return of the mindset under the current administration rather than a commitment to understand and preserve our God-given and constitutionally guaranteed freedoms. When a government is willing to, To limit religious liberty, it will not hesitate to restrict our freedoms. Accordingly, we must not compromise. On this day and every day, we the people must remind our elected officials of their duty to aggressively safeguard religious freedoms for all of its citizens. Of course, the protection of religious freedom only matters to the extent that we use it As Dr. James Dobson wrote about the Trump administration in 2020, Dr. Dobson said, we should celebrate the administration's vital efforts to protect our religious freedom. But such work is in vain if we don't seize the opportunity to live out our faith and thereby transform the heart of this nation. Listen, you all. I prepared for our time over the past few weeks, but something has come up that's kind of altered the course of our day today. Back on January 8th in Canada, the nation right above us, they have passed a law that outlaws the preaching of the gospel, especially the preaching of hope and freedom for those who are enslaved to homosexuality and the LGBTQ lifestyle. If they preach that it is a sin, they will be thrown into prison. This just passed on January 8th. So letters went out to different pastors, and then it was posted on social media, That today, pastors, and oh how I pray that they are, and oh how I pray that there are many of them Mm -hmm. in Canada are going to stand in their pulpits today and preach the word of God. Preach freedom to the LGBTQ community. And not just to that community, but to all sinners. And Lord knows what's going to happen in Canada today. Mm -hmm. So they reached out to pastors in the United States to do the same, because there's a law that wants to pass within our nation that will strip pastors, Christians, Christian counselors from the right of sharing the gospel. And if caught sharing the gospel to those in the LGBTQ community, they will face prison time as well. This is, we're not playing in games any longer. I keep telling you, you just can't play church. You just can't show up when you want to show up, do what you want to do, just kind of exist in la-la land. No, no, no. Are you a Christian? Do you understand the times in which we are living? I keep telling you all, it's getting darker. The, 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 the as the, Christ is returning. The closer we get to his return, we are going to be pushed out of society. We are not going to be welcomed. We are not going to be you know, looked upon with, with kindness. You are a problem for the enemy. You are a problem for the world's systems, and you are a problem for those who are lost. You are not going to be welcomed, and if you can't stand and stand therefore, then then what on earth are you doing? <laughs> Listen, we got to stop crumbling. We got to stop giving in. We got to stop just making excuses. We've got to stop being lured by the world and going along with them.
2: <laughs>
0: no, it's time that we understand how it is, how important it is to be committed. And committed first and foremost to Christ. Listen, the LGBT community is not the enemy. They are not our enemy. Sinners are not our enemy. We love them. We ought to think of them before we think of ourselves. We ought to serve them. But we ought to preach the gospel to them. And like I've always said, before you preach the gospel to anyone, please make sure you're preaching it to yourself. The gospel offends no matter What lifestyle, you have enslaved yourself to. And if it doesn't offend, it's not the gospel. Jesus himself says, consider the cost. It's going to cost you everything. All sinners, we're all born in sin. We're all born in rebellion. He understands that condition. But praise be to God. He loves us. In the midst of our rebellion. And he sent his one and only son to free us. Mm -hmm. Jesus himself says, I did not come to condemn the world, to judge the world. Because the world already stands condemned and judged. He knows the wrath of God is coming. Mm -hmm. He has come to set the captives free. And if we are being told that we can't share that good news... God help us. I'm so stirred up and been praying for these pastors that are going to step into their pulpits today or into their community and share. There is an all out assault on true biblical Christianity. We have the critical race theory, it's a doctrine of demon. We have the LGBTQ. Movement which is stripping down the truth of the gospel and is nothing but a doctrine of demons. We have junk running amok, and it's time that the church stands up. And that we begin to to pray, that we begin to to serve, that we begin to share the good news. That we will not be intimidated. That we, like the book of Acts, as you read about the Christian community there, that we will not retreat, but that we would pray for boldness. I want you to hear this letter that this pastor from Canada sent. He writes to Pastor John MacArthur. He says, Pastor John, thanks so much for your willingness not only to shine a light on the situation here in Canada, but also your partnership in calling other men to preach on biblical sexuality on January 16th in unity and solidarity with ministers here in Canada. I and we are truly grateful for your ministry and service. Bill C-4 passed through the House and the Senate without opposition. Not a single dissenting vote was cast by any member of the Conservative Party. It received royal assent on December 8th, which means it will become a law after January 8th, 2022. The bill will amend the criminal code in Canada to ban conversion therapy. It will criminalize, among other things, causing another person to undergo conversion therapy promoting or advertising conversion therapy in this preamble of the bill it says that the belief that heterosexuality cisgender gender identity and gender expression that conforms to the sex assigned to a person at birth are to be preferred over other sexual orientations gender identities and gender expression is a myth According to the Canadian law, as of January 8, 2022, the belief in God's design for marriage and sexuality will now be seen as a myth. The bill defines conversion therapy as a practice, treatment, or service designed to change a person's sexual orientation to heterosexual, change a person's gender identity to cisgender, Change a person's gender expression so that it conforms to the sex assigned to the person at birth. Repress or reduce non-heterosexual attraction or sexual behavior. Repress a person's non-cisgender identity. Or repress or reduce a person's gender expression that does not conform to the sex assigned to the person at birth. The definition is intentionally broad. And it can clearly be against, be used against any preacher or elder who either speaks against homosexuality, transgenderism, or who counsels a person to obey Christ and abandon their homosexual and transgender actions and lifestyle. This means as of January 8th, 2022, it will be against the law to preach, teach, or counsel regarding God's design for marriage and sexuality. Everyone who knowingly causes another person to undergo conversion therapy, including by providing conversion therapy to that other person, is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for the term of not more than five years. Similarly, everyone who knowingly promotes or advertises conversion therapy is guilty of the indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term of not more than Two years. On January 16th. 2022. Faithful men across this country. And many in the United States as well. Will be preaching on God's design for marriage. And biblical ethic of sexuality. We will be doing so. Illegally. Here in Canada. Declaring to the state. That there is one God. And one Lord over his church. And that Christ alone gets to both define marriage and dictate what is required in the pulpit we are honored that our American brothers will be joining us in this please feel free to let me know if you have any questions or require any more information yours in Christ Pastor Andrew DeBartlow this is what's going on this is what's happening where's the church been What are we doing? Cowering down. Yes. Sinners ought to be coming to church. (laughs) They need to hear the truth. They need to be loved. Has the church done what it ought to be doing over the years? No. Not just for the LGBTQ, but for all the sin that's running amok in the church. Sin is not to be mastering us. Romans 6 is very clear. The Bible is very clear about God's design for marriage, for sexuality. And we're going to be looking at scriptures today. And oh, how I pray that you'll take these scriptures away, meditate upon them, understand them, give counsel to others that are open to hear. Listen, you're not going out there beating people over the head. They have every right to live however they want every right to live however they want. But they do not have a right to come into the church and try to redefine God's word so that they can be comfortable. Mm -hmm. And we all, not as the church, we're not just to let sinners, active, participating sinners, no matter what the sin is, to feel comfortable sitting among us. (laughs) It's running amok. Pastors are being held hostage. (laughs) by their elders, by their congregation. They're afraid to even speak about anything. Just get up and preach something that sounds good to us. That's what we want from you. And God help us, do we not see that in Scripture? That in the last days, people are not going to want to hear sound doctrine. They're only going to want to hear what itches their ears. Make me feel better. And listen, that is not the gospel. When you first hear the gospel. But once your eyes have been opened and you've tasted and you've seen that the Lord is good. When you understand his love for you. When you understand that it is his loving kindness that leads you to repentance. When you truly understand what repentance is. When you truly understand that he's given us everything we need to live a godly life. That's why it's vital that you're getting discipled. That's why it's vital that you understand your new identity because you've been born again. If you're a Christian, there's a lot of people sitting in churches today thinking that they're on their way to heaven. In reality, they're going to be swallowed up into His wrath because they reject His truth. They reject Him. They reject what He has set forth For His people, from the beginning, we've been walking through the Bible, from the beginning, God's purpose, God's plan is to have a people that He will call His own and in return, they will call Him their God. That they will live for Him. That they would honor Him. That they would ultimately love Him with their whole being. There is freedom For those enslaved to the LGBTQ community. There's freedom for the gossipers and the liars and the backbiters. For the adulterers. For the alcoholics. You name it. For all sin, there's freedom. And just like alcoholics don't like to hear the message, drug addicts don't like to hear the message, gossipers don't like to hear the message, those who sow division don't don't like to hear the message. As a sinner, you don't like to hear it. <clears throat> but when God is so gracious and kind, because of his loving kindness draws you to himself and you see your rebellion, you see how vile and wicked you are, no matter what this act of sin is in your life. When you recognize him for who he is, you can't help <laughs> When you truly see Him and your eyes have been opened, you can't help but freely surrender. We all have a... We should. We all have a testimony of that time in our lives when we recognize just how sinful and rebellious we were and we accepted Him for who He is. We called upon the name of the Lord Jesus was saved, born again if people are struggling with their sexuality no matter what it is LGBTQ maybe you got an issue with porn adultery masturbation whatever it is come to Jesus and be healed Get it out of the darkness and into the light. And the church ought to be able to equip people with such understanding instead of rejecting people. Now it's different if the person is sitting in the church claiming to be a Christian and actively participating in a sinful lifestyle. No matter what it is, they ought to be removed. You ought to love them enough to remove them, put them out of fellowship, Turn them over to Satan in hopes that their soul will be saved instead of just allowing them to sit among you and run amok. Is it easy? No. But if you do it with, with grace and with love, they may first be offended and hurt and talk and run their mouth about you. <laughs> but they all don't know good and well. As it is with Christ, so it should be with the church that if they return, they will be received.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: As long as they're repentant. Listen, we've got to stop playing games. <laughs> we've got to uphold truth. I keep encouraging y'all. You've got to care more about people's eternity than their temporalness. Well, I don't want to say anything unless I offend. Say something. Now, I'm not telling you to bombard them every single hour of every single day. But don't you go denying your truth so that they can feel comfortable. They can live however they want. And you are to live as Christ. Not deny Christ. But to live for Christ. To uphold truth. To honor God. Listen, it's getting crazier. Do you realize how many genders now they say that are out there? Do you realize all of this craziness that's happening and everyone's just going along with it? Including the church now. I told you I just went through a training. That sickened me. It took everything I had in me to complete it. To listen to this man... Teach the church how to respond to the LGBTQ community. It was like listening to a demon. He was full of lies. He sounded brilliant. It sounded very compassionate. It sounded like the right way to respond. But it's completely against the word of God. And coming from that community, I felt such anger... Not so much towards that man, but towards the enemy. Because good God, if I listened to him, I wouldn't be where I'm at today in Christ. You see, I've always told you when you hear the gospel being presented, that's giving it you the right to live yourself. That's not the gospel, no matter how well sounded and grounded it sounds or or how compassionate it sounds. It's not the gospel. God has ordained it from the beginning, Genesis to Revelation. That is God's word. Do not change it. Do not strip it. Do not go and say, well, it needs to be Updated for the new generation. That's not true. It is the word of God. And it stands for eternity. And oh, how we better start devouring it. Living it. Understanding who you are now. You're not going to fit in in this world That's what I keep telling you. The way we've done church over the past. It's not going to work any longer. Because now we're not welcomed. We went through a church age. Where everybody, you know, morality was at the highest. You know, the church was flourishing. We were impacting culture. We were impacting the earth with the truth. And gradually over time... Everything started changing. But it doesn't take God by surprise. Because he tells us in his word what's going to happen. Jesus is returning you all. Praise be to God. That's our hope. That's how we're to be living every single day. I just read to you out of 1 Thessalonians. That's what we're to be encouraging each other with every single day. You're to be out there living it. You're to be a Christian. You're to serve faithfully. I've always told you, you're to to be the best workers. Not that you're going to be perfect, but even in your failure, get up. Repent. Be restored. Live for Christ. Do not let sin master you, and do not make excuses for your sin. Well, I'm just human. I'm just, I'm just going to sin. Who? Why would you talk that way? Why would you think that way? You're a child of God. You're a child of God. And listen, there's a lot of families dealing with issues now. With homosexuality. With transgenderism. With all this stuff that's running amok, solid Christian families are enduring it. For God's sakes, i just heard of a testimony of a man after all of these years of marriage coming in and telling his wife with never having a sense of of wondering what's going on with him, but he finally comes clean that he's a woman. This is serious, life-encountering, changing issues. How can the church deal with it? How can the church come along this family and this man and hold him accountable to truth and love him? Ultimately, he'll have to decide if he's following Christ or going after his feelings, same as it is. With homosexuality, bisexuality, all this other stuff that's running among. That people are now saying, like, this is just who I am. And families have to endure it. And they're wondering, how do we respond? A lot of families sit in shame. They don't know how to react. They don't know how to respond. They don't know what other Christians are going to think. And how sad that we've created that culture. If we have been dealing with sin... As we should have as the church. We wouldn't be in the predicament that we're in now. Because all we've done in the church community. And the culture over the years. Is just put things under the rug. We just hide it. Live in darkness. Don't let others know what you're going through. And there's so much shame. And guilt and condemnation. That drives people further from the presence of God. Instead of abiding with Christ. Loving people. And letting them know that there is freedom. Now if they don't want it, it's their choice. It was my choice to live how I wanted to live for the majority of my life. To engage in all the stuff that I engaged with. But when Christ revealed himself. And I recognized I was a sinner. And I told you after years of hearing how much God hated me, that to realize how much actually He loves me. And He loves me enough to free me from my very nature that was destroying me. And now I'm being told that by just sharing that, that if these laws pass in our nation, I could be put into prison? What kind of crazy world are we living in? I didn't make this up. I wasn't searching for Jesus. None of us are. I've always told you, you're not going to wake up and just say, hey, today I'll follow Jesus. Oh, no. He begins this work in us. He is faithful to complete it. And oh, how I pray, oh, how I pray that you'll cling tightly to him in the days to come. The enemy is working overtime, and it's only going to get more aggressive. I told you before, a week or two, however long ago that we met, that the platform and the stage is already being set. The Antichrist is going to step out soon. He's going to be able to do miraculous things, signs and wonders. He is going to deceive so many people. The spirit of deception is rising up like never before. Just listen to what you're being told daily. The majority of it is all lies. Governments all around the world are being controlled. I mean, we've got to wake up. Wake up, wake up. See, look around. And I told you, as the spirit of deception rises up, lawlessness rises up, and perversion rises up. I am not shocked by what's going on. I'm brokenhearted. Oh, but there is an agenda. And it's the agenda from hell. Watch and see what's happening within the culture of Christianity, within the religious institution. There is a great divide, a great division taking place and prominent denominations (coughs) who are supporting the critical race theory, again, which is a lie from the pit of hell, And the LGBTQ community, which is a lie from the pit of hell. (laughs) How are you spending your days, you all, preparing for such a time as this? Again, you're not to go out there being this weird, wild ox running amok, beating people over the head, yelling and screaming at people. That's not what it's about. That doesn't work. That's the tactic of the enemy. The only only time you ever seen Jesus flip over tables was in his house among his people. So deal with the religious people as such. Stand your ground. But when it comes to the lost, to the needy, Would you just show compassion? Would you just love them? Give them the opportunity to live however they want, but do not just go along with them. Don't be shocked. I had a friend reach out to me, another pastor reach out to him, and he has people in his congregations that's dealing with lifestyle issues. And he says, would you counsel them? be more than happy to sit down with complete strangers and love on them and uphold truth to them as, so, as, as such as you all should. I'm not sure how you're spending your days or how you're spending your time or what community you're involved with to be discipled. But oh, how afraid you are. Oh, how I pray that you are. And then when you're out from here, that wherever you're at in your own space, that you're holding up a standard for yourself and for others. If you're just going back to the places in which you dwell and there's not a standard set, I would question, I would question then your love for Christ. And I say that with a sincere heart a sincere heart. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I command? I would question, especially if you've been, quote unquote, in faith for years. If you're a new Christian, I can understand. But oh, how you should have a hunger to grow and to learn what does this look like. But we have got to wake up. When you hear That the nation that's just right above us and that there's bills within the states and with our own nation that is saying that how God designed marriage and sexuality is a myth. Do you not see the signs of the time? Oh, we have to wake up. We have to wake up. We have to know truth. Because Scripture tells us it's the truth that sets us free. Go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. We're going to spend the rest of our time looking at Scriptures on biblical sexual morality. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. Would you circle that? Would you highlight that? Male and female. And listen, you all. I do not take take it lightly when counseling or talking with people about transgenderism. That is a very, very serious condition. It's not something you pray away. As with homosexuality, it's not something you just pray away. I've had friends, loved ones, people I've counseled, who are enslaved to the thought pattern that how they were created was in error. And the church should be equipped to be able to love on them, encourage them, and share the Word of God with them. There's two genders, male and female. No matter how you alter your body, your makeup, is still either male or female you can add on you can take away all you want but you're still by the, the depth of your being your everything within you you're a male or a female because that's how God designed it go to Genesis chapter two, verse 18 through 23. Then the Lord God said, "It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him." So the Lord God formed the ground all from the ground, all wild animals and all the birds in the sky of the sky, and He brought them to man to see what He would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock and all the birds of the sky and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to sleep, to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man at last the man exclaimed this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh she will be called woman because she was taken from man god created man and woman god created a look at this (laughs) he says it's not good for man to be alone I will make a helper who is just right for him. Woman. Go to Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. I'm sorry. Yeah, 1 and 2. This is written, this is a written account of descendants of Adam. When God created human beings, he made them to be like himself. He created them male and female and he blessed them and called them human. Again, male and female. There is a way to counsel. There is a way to love. There is a way to share truth and hopes that their eyes would be open to receive the love of God and the freedom that God has for those who who are dealing with their sexual identity, their their gender and their sexuality. There is freedom. Now again, if they choose not to receive it, that is their right. You don't hate them. But we're not going just to go along with them and somehow give them the comfort and assure assure them that they are in Christ if they're denying what God has ordained. And so there's a lot of Christian communities who are just accepting it It ought not to be. Sure, they can come to church, they can listen, they can hear, they can interact and they ought to be welcomed. But they can't call themselves a Christian, just like any other sinner who is choosing willingly to live in rebellion towards God. Sure, they can come sit in church. Sure, they ought to hear the truth. Sure, we ought to love on them. We don't hate them. They're not our enemies. We don't have to tiptoe around them. No, we ought to be able to live among them and live around them, but maintain the truth. Not deny Christ so they can feel comfortable. Why am I feeling uncomfortable? Because I'm a Christian. If they're not uncomfortable being transgender, I'm not going to be uncomfortable being a Christian. I have a right to believe all that God has written and has said. I have a right to, to, to believe that God is not man, that he should lie. I have a right to believe that God sets the sinner free. Amen. And oh, how I pray that we're able to understand how we are to live. How is this running among, you say, in this world? Because the enemy is advancing quickly, 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 because Christ is returning. I mean, that's where you have to focus and fix your eyes on. All this has to happen because Christ is returning. Christ is returning. Christ is returning. How is he going to find you? For him or against him? And I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. Are you in Christ? Are you about your father's business? Are you sharing truth? I don't have to go scream at people to tell them that they're in error. But I can love them and tell them a lot of them are not going to receive me. A lot of them are just going to reject Christ, reject God's truth, reject me as a follower of Christ. And they have every right to. It's their choice. But I'm not going to cower down. I'm going to love them enough to share the truth with them. I know truth hurts. It hurt me. But oh, how it was so worth it to hear it. To know how great God's love is. And God's design and God's plan. And God's purpose for his creation. Go to Exodus chapter 20. Verse 14. Exodus 20. Verse 14. Exodus 20, verse 14, you must not commit adultery. Again, we're talking about biblical sexual morality. A lot of adultery is running among within the church community. And how is that? Why is that? You're not loving God. And yet there's a lot of ministers, there's a lot of, praise and worship singers, there's a lot of elders, there's a lot of lay people who are committing adultery, running them up, and finding it comfortable to come in and raise their hands to a holy God. Well, that's not saying anything about what's going on. I've been in churches. I've been called into churches to pray and, and, and kind of see what's going on and then speak to the pastor, the pastoral staff, And counsel them and tell them, like, you realize your worship leader is having an adulterous affair. Oh, yeah, but we can't discuss that because it's going to end up. And there's all these excuses why it's allowed and what on earth. And that's why I've always said to pastors or people who have called and asked for counseling when it comes to LGBTQ issues in the church. I always ask them, how do you deal with sin? Because if you're not dealing with sin, then please don't just focus in on the LGBTQ issue. Because then it is going to look like you're just singling them out. (laughs) How are you dealing with sin running rampant in the church? Don't bring it up. Because there's such a strong anointing on the worship leader having the adulterous affair. Everyone is drawn here because of them. What kind of sickness is that? That's demonic. Just as it is when a lesbian couple or a gay couple comes to the pastor and tells him, he better not preach against it because you're making us feel threatened here. What kind of craziness is this when we're allowing to shape the run to pasture. What kind of craziness is this? The Bible is very clear, you must not commit adultery. You see, the, the hope is, no matter what it is that we have found ourselves in, there's freedom. A lot of people hear the word of God and they reject it. Because the first thing we do when our sin is exposed, we hide from God. God says, Rob, where are you? As he did with Adam and Eve, where are you? You belong in my presence. What are you doing over there? We got to wake up. We got to realize. And that's why I've always told you, know who he is. God does not stiff arm us. We stiff arm him. You get caught up in this perverse lifestyle running amok. No matter what it is. If you're not pure sexually. You ought to come to Christ. Come to Christ. Turn to Christ. Be set free. Know who Christ is. Know who God is, and know the power of the Holy Spirit, God himself in you, bringing about and accomplishing all that God has set forth, giving you what you need to live a godly life. You're to be living a godly life. You're you're to be pursuing godliness, holiness, being set apart, fleeing from the youthful lust. The Bible has a lot to say about sexuality. Go to Leviticus chapter 18. And I know the world loves to use the word of God against us. <laughs> That's why you must get rooted in the word so you know how to stand up for truth and to defend the faith. They love to twist scriptures Listen, the word of God tells us even the demons know scripture and they quake at it, they shudder. We know that the enemy parades himself as an angel of light, we know that he knows scripture. Remember when he came to Jesus? Did God really say so? It's 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 it's. You're without excuse as a Christian. Grow up. You're needed in the body of Christ. Your loved ones need you to live out truth in front of them. That you uphold a standard. Not berating them, not beating them down, but you're just living out your faith and belief in Christ. That you press in. That they come and they share with you no matter what it is. Whatever impurity they're running amok in. Don't be shaken. I know we want to be. But sometimes you got to get over us so that God can get through us. <laughs> We make it all about us when it's all about God. When I've counseled parents, when I've counseled family members. I mean, we've got to take our eyes off of me, myself, and I, and what it's doing to me and how I'm feeling and how what's happening with them. Listen, we all can just run amok in it. But live out your faith. Stand true to who Christ is and to who you are in Christ. Love them right where they're at. Have a standard. Set boundaries. Do not forsake Christ to make them comfortable. There is a way in which we are called to live. And like I said, the Bible has a lot to say about sex. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22 to 23. Do not practice homosexuality, having sex with other men as with women. It is a detestable sin. A man should not defile himself by having sex with an animal. And a woman must not offer herself to a male animal to have intercourse with it. This is a perverse act. A lot of people say, oh, we're supposed to carry everything over from Leviticus? The majority of it, yes. Because if you look in the New Testament, the same truths are there. Some things were specific for Israel, and others are specific and kept and maintained because you see it in the New Testament for God's people. So you've got to grow, because let me tell you, the laws, the world, they know how to use Scripture. They know how to twist it and make you look dumb. And make you question, well, um, 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 duh, 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 well, um, um, duh, duh. Stop that. Grow up. Learn how to use the sword. Learn how to speak and have confidence in who God is and what God has set forth. Your ignorance isn't cute any longer. You remaining an infant... Tossed to and fro, it's not cute anymore. Maybe a year or two ago, maybe. Oh, that's just uh. no. It's not cute anymore. We gotta grow up. For God's sakes, there are men stepping into pulpits today who are risking being imprisoned to uphold truth. We have brothers and sisters around the other side of the earth coming to Christ, being beaten, being tortured, being imprisoned, being raped, being beheaded. Their livelihood is stripped from them. And we think our ignorance in Christianity is <laughs> cute. It's not cute. We show up when we want, oh, go to church today. We make it all about us, and we're not even fellowshipping. We're not even together. We're not getting discipled, and what are we doing? And we're just going along, just to go along, just to go along. Entertain us, entertain us. And for what? The wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God is coming. And the love of God is available. And the grace of God is available to transform your life. The mercy of God, the freedom in Christ. I mean, do you understand how perversion is growing? I told you a few years ago, keep an eye on pedophilia. (laughs) They're going to start making it norm. And over the past years, (laughs) what have we been seeing? Little by little, things are being sewn into the public eye. And through movies, through, through conversations trying to normalize it, trying to get it on the scene as it being normal. So don't be shocked when it comes with people having sex with animals. It's happening. I mean, for goodness sakes, there was a case a few years ago. And again, that shouldn't shock us. What is going on? Look at the the sex, sex trade slave industry that's taking place throughout our nation and throughout the earth look at the perversion that's running amok just with the Jeffrey Epstein with all these high figure political people who were raping these young kids i mean we've got to wake up to the spirit of deception that's running amok And we've got to take a biblical stand on how we're to live as Christians and what God's truth is to the world. This is His standard. Man did not put this together. This is God's Word. This is God's truth. Go to Proverbs 6, verse 32. Proverbs 6, verse 32. But the man who commits adultery is an utter fool, for he destroys himself. And that's for anyone who commits adultery. You're an utter fool. And for what are you doing going out of your marriage covenant to find fulfillment that you're lacking you're another fool. And you will be destroyed. Repent. Turn to God. Be restored. Be healed. Give your marriage to God. God can heal it. God can turn it around. It can thrive. But we're living in a day and age where sexuality and perversion is running off Easy access to anything and everything. Easy access to anybody and everybody. Be healed in Christ. And know that He makes the way out of every temptation. And stop giving in. To gratifying your sexual needs. Your emotional needs. Your insecurities. Christ is all you need. He is enough. To complete you. And to see you through whatever's coming against you. Go to Matthew 15. Matthew 15, verse 19. From the heart come evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. From the heart come evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. sin, you all. Again, we just don't put it aside and make light of it. You got a problem with lying? You willfully are choosing daily to lie? Something is wrong. Something is wrong. Willfully, continuing to sin after you come to Christ something's wrong. A Christian does not continue to willfully get up each and every single day and choose to sin. It's not how it should be. Will you sin? Yeah, most likely you will. But when you repent and you get up, you don't make an excuse for it. Well, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know why I really had to bend the truth. Because, no, no, no. Because every lie you tell, you have to tell another. And then another. And then you've created this whip, wh- warped sense of reality that's not even true anymore. That's not even true anymore. You're living in a reality that you've created because you refuse to face truth or come clean. Well, God, if they find out all this time I've been lying, it's okay. Come clean. Be clean. Be healed. I've always told you, we, one thing we have going for us as a fellowship, but I don't know if everyone really takes advantage of it, is I don't care what you're doing, where you've been, or where you think you're heading. If it's not in Christ, would you just come and expose it? Get healed, get clean. You're around a group of people who've come from the darkest parts of sin. Nothing's going to shock us. You have a safe place to come and to share and to be vulnerable. To find freedom in Christ. To find hope in Christ. To live for Christ. I mean, come on. Out of the heart. Where does sin come from? From the desires that are from within,
2: learn how
0: to master them. Remember, back in Genesis, sin is crouching at your door, and its desire is to master you. But you must master it. Could you imagine if Christians really lived this out instead of just making excuses? Well, we're just we're just human. (laughs) We're just sinners. (laughs) We're just going to sin. Well, then, what hope are you giving to anyone that has a problem? Because then, why would you tell me I need Jesus if Jesus can't offer me anything? Why would you tell me I have to live differently? I have to suppress my feelings or oppress or repress or whatever my feelings. Just don't act on them. <laughs> and you can just keep doing whatever. Like, no. See, when I came to Christ, I confronted the very core nature. Not just the homosexuality, not just the perversion, not to the depth of perversion that I was in. No, the reality of all of me. I'm a sinner. To the very depths of my being, I am a sinner if I am living in my old nature. But in Christ, I'm forgiven. I've been freed. I've been healed. I've been redeemed. I choose to believe on that which is true and no longer what is a lie. I choose to understand that I am a new creation. Now then, how shall I live? Instead of keeping me the right, well, Rob, all you're ever going to do is keep sinning. So, Push down those feelings. (laughs) Pretend. Oh no. I told Jesus years ago, I'm not living that way. And if that's the way I have to live, then you're not real. (laughs) Because I am not living a tormented life. I was completely fine back over here. (laughs) He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Do you know this? Do you believe this? Are you living it? So that others around you can see that there is hope in Jesus. Go to Matthew 19, verse 4 through 5. Haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied, these are Jesus' words. They record, I mean, they record that from the beginning God made them male and female. Jesus' words. And he said, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Jesus' words. Carried over from the beginning, from God's original design, God created them. Male and female. He designed marriage for male and female, not for two men, not for two women, not for a man and a horse, not for a woman and a dog. No, 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 not for anything but for a man and a woman. That's marriage. That's marriage. And marriage should be honored in the church. Single people shouldn't detest marriages. Married people shouldn't try to force single people into marriage. We should just honor each other where each of us are at in our lives, what God has called us to. God has called some of us to marriage. God called others to singleness. And we just ought to honor that. Because we're honoring God. But these are Jesus' words. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm encouraging y'all take these scriptures. Get them hidden in your heart so that you're able to go and share truth with people. Again, if they choose not to believe, that is their choice. Give them grace. Love on them. Let them be. But do not change who you are or ultimately change the word of God to keep people enslaved to sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1 through 13. Here we go. Paul writes, I can hardly believe the report about the sexual morality going on among you. Something that even pagans don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. You are so proud of yourselves. You should be mourning in sorrow and shame. And you should remove this man from your fellowship. Even though I am not with you in person, I am with you in spirit. And as though I were there, I have already passed judgment on this man. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Not in Paul, not in Silas, not in Matthew, not in Mark. But in the name of the Lord Jesus, you must call a meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit and so will the power of our Lord Jesus. Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. I've told you over the years, I think the church has done it in error when they have had to set people out. They've done it in a way that there was no hope for them to return or to be restored. But that's not what we do here and that's ultimately what not the church should be doing. We ought to love them enough to set them out, turn them over to Satan. Listen to what he says here so that his sinful nature will what? Be destroyed. And he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. That's a powerful scripture. We ought to love people enough to set them out, especially if they're claiming to be Christian. If they're they're saying, I'm a Christian and living a monk, No. You're not. Now if you're sitting here and you're not a Christian and you have active sin in your life, oh, how I pray that you come to Christ. Oh, how I pray that you hear the good news. Oh, how I pray that you hear the love of God and that you understand that it's the, the kindness and the love, loving kindness of God that leads you to himself, to deliver you from whatever it is that binds you, that you would trust and believe on the Lord Jesus and be saved. But you cannot claim Christ. You cannot just trample in his blood, making it common, making it nothing, and keeping others enslaved and in bondage because you want to call yourself a Christian. It's not how it goes. There's a standard within the church, there's a standard for Christians that we are called to live by. And it's not man, it's God's standards. I'm sure this was very uncomfortable for the church. But Paul is telling them. And this is Corinth, a very perverse city. I mean, I, I, I love God. That's why I'm telling you. God, I wish, we, I wish we truly knew him. I mean, God sent Paul into a very sexual, perverse city <laughs> to build a church. To give these people hope. In Christ, to bring all of that junk in, see them delivered, and live among the people they used to run with, the people that they used to maybe do stuff with. But now they're set free, they're living for Christ, they've established a church community in the midst of hell. And Paul is saying, wait a minute, there has to be, remember the standard, what are y'all doing? How are you allowing this to happen? He goes on, you, you're boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this is sin? I'm sorry, that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough without yeast, which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival, not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, but with new bread of sincerity and truth. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin, or greedy, or cheat people, or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is our responsibility to judge what, Paul? to judge those inside the church who are sinning. God will, judge the, God will judge those on the outside, but as the scriptures say, you must remove the evil person from among you. The evil person from among you. The evil one who continually to will willfully keep sinning. Refusing to repent but yet still wanting them to call themselves a Christian. They do not belong among the church. Listen, there's not a lying Christian, there's not an adulterous Christian, there's not a drunken Christian, there's not a drugged up Christian, there's not a gay Christian, there's not a trans Christian, there's not a pan Christian, there's not a Christian. There's not a feeding Christian. There, there, there's not anything but a Christian. Stop putting an adjective or, or, or claiming an identity before you claim Christ. Do we not hear what the Word of God is saying? Do we not see how the church is being disciplined? Disciplined? Listen, you've lost sight. You're allowing this among you. But it's not good for you. Take a stand. Take a stand. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 20. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be, don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that. But you were cleansed, you were made holy, you were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You say, I'm allowed to do anything. (laughs) But not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, you say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made, oh God, hear this, for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. And the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it with a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For scriptures say the two are united into one, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So, listen to what he says here. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as the one does, as this one does. (coughs) For sexual morality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. I remember years ago when the Holy Spirit took me to these scriptures and oh how the freedom that came and the understanding of what it means to be pure, to live a pure life. I mean, listen to what Scripture is saying. There's no way to rewrite it. Again, he's writing to a church in the midst of a perverse city. Wicked and vile. Go to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 6 through 13. These things happen as warnings to us so that you would not crave evil things as they did or worship idols as some of them did. As the scriptures say, the people celebrated with feasting and drinking and they indulged in pagan rivalry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and then died from snake bites. And don't grumble, as some of them did, and then were destroyed by the angel of death. These things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Who live at the end of the age. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptation in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. Not give in, but endure. If you give in to temptation, it's because you chose to. It didn't overtake you. You chose to lay down for it. To give in to it. This is the word of God. And I understand when your eyes are blinded, when the enemy has blinded your eyes, this makes no sense. But when God opens your eyes, when you hear the word of God preach, you ought not to pull away from God. You ought to draw near to him. Jesus, again, himself encourages people who are following him to consider the cost. It's going to cost you everything. This is not going to allow you to fit into the world system. You're going to have to crucify your flesh. You're going to have to get up daily and be about your father's business. You're going to have to grow in the identity in Christ. And you've got to share it with the upcoming generation. Do you understand what this upcoming generation is being bombarded with? Who's standing in the gap for them? Who's covering them with truth? Who's equipping them so that when they go to make a decision, they're responsible for what they're making. I sat with a young man a while ago. He wanted to come out to me. So many people have come to come out to me. Worship leaders, pastors, youth, all different types of people. I told this young man who has heard about Christ, who has experienced the love of God. I understand what you're sharing with me. And I want you to know that I love you. And I want you to know greater than me, God loves you. But you know good and well what you're choosing. So don't blame God. Don't be like one of the homosexual people that blame God. Or that tried to twist the word of God. No, because you know God's word. And God loves you enough. If that's what you want to choose, he'll turn you over to it. And you can go and you can be all that you can be. But understand in the end, that's all you have. And you can't blame God. Because God loves you enough to reveal himself to you through his son Jesus so that you would be saved. But if you reject him, that's your choice. He'll love you either way. But in the end, you will be swallowed up into his wrath. Because he's a just God. And you're choosing to live out of your desires that are in complete rebellion towards him. And I get it. I get it. But oh, how I pray that you would come to Jesus and that his love for you would be greater than your desires for yourself. Listen, y'all, all all we can do is be real with people. That's all we can do. I didn't yell. I didn't have to scream at him. When he stood up, I hugged him. you, You know, I love you. Yes, I know. I don't agree with what you're doing, but I love you. When I sat down with the worship leader, And he wanted to tell me all about how he's coming out and doing and doing and doing. I was totally fine listening to him. As Some of you heard this story before. I ate my soup as he was speaking. I was listening. I was engaged with him. But when he crossed the line and started talking about the homosexuality teaching of, of, of the gay church, I had to put my soup down, my spoon down, and tell him, listen, I'll sit here and listen to you all day long. But I will not, I'll draw the line here, you will not pervert God's word to justify your sinful behavior. It's not going to happen. I love you enough to hear you out. (laughs) But once you cross the line, that's where it stops. That's where it stops. Hear them out. But do not fall prey to twisting scriptures in order for them to feel comfortable. Because you hear scripture, you're hearing scripture today, over and over, all through scripture. We started in Genesis, we're working our way through. There's no way around it. No matter what the sin is, is it adultery? Do you have a porn addiction? Are you shacking up? Are things not right in your life? Are you a liar? Or are you a grumbler? Or are you a complainer? Or are you a fault finder? It's active sin. That ought not to be. There's a way in which we are to live and how we ought to live in order to cover the generation that's coming up. Who's covering the generation? Who's engaged with truth instead of just allowing them just to exist. A lot of our youth are spending time alone. And we've created this for them. And what we've done is we've shackled them up in the devil's playground. God help us. God help us for what we've done to the youth in the upcoming generation. Oh, how I pray. Christian families would honor Christ. They ought not to look like the world. That there's devotion time, that there's prayer time. That they're talking about sex. They're talking about what's out there. That they're they're engaged in creating a, 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 a home. Where we don't hide things. We don't hide feelings. But what if I come to mom and dad and let them know, like, I have this desire in me. What are they going to think of me? Are they going to love me? Like, no, they ought to know. Like, in this home, you're safe. In this home, we turn to the word of God. We will see what God says. We we, We will encourage you to honor God. This is what we need to start engaging. And the reason why we aren't engaging with the youth is because we're not engaging with ourselves, with truth. And that's the reality. You can't pass on what you yourself don't have. Oh, how I pray that you'll draw close to Christ in the days to come. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're getting to the end. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Do you imagine if, if parents and grandparents and, and families sat down and went through these scriptures? Um, the, what it is for biblical sexual morality? Do they know what God has said about it? It's the most craziest thing when I counsel people. And the majority of the counseling I do is people from outside this fellowship. It could be youth. It could be grown men, women, whoever, who are dealing with issues. And I always say the same thing. All I have is the word of God. You're not coming for my wisdom. You're not coming for me. I got nothing to give you. I can tell you what God's word says. And the importance of honoring God's word. And knowing who Christ is. And being born again. But a lot of people that I counsel, they think that they're Christians. I've sat in church. And sometimes as I'm going through these counseling sessions with them, well, I wouldn't say sometimes, the majority of times, they all look like deer in headlights. And they've been in church longer than I have, most of them. And they're like, i never heard of this. Like, what are you reading out of? It's the Bible. The Bible says that? I can't tell you how many times people have said that. Well, of course the Bible has said that. And I don't blame the pastors. So I'm I'm not bashing pastors. I'm bashing the individual because you've sat in church, and I'm sure you've heard it. But you just chose not to do anything with it. You've grown good to be hearers of the word, but you have no understanding of what it means to be a doer. You have no understanding of what it means to live in freedom because you're too enticed by your bondage. Oh, we got to wake up, you all. And praise be to God, the Lord opens their eyes. You know, a lot of them, they end up walking in freedom and praise be to God, their lives in Christ are enriched. But then there's the other half that just wander off. They've heard truth, but they don't accept it. They don't receive it, and they just go right back. And they have every right to. But how sad. How sad. But could you imagine if parents and grandparents and and, people would just sit down so that people wouldn't share, talk about it. Here's what the word of God, this is what God says. This is God. This is our God. The confidence that we have in our God. I mean, we see when the people of Israel were studying the Old Testament. and We just read in Hebrews how important it is to read through the Old Testament because it's there for us. It's written for us. I mean, for God's sakes, God was with them. Performing <laughs> miracles, And they, and, and they oh, seasons that they're, whoo, they're celebrating him. But all of a sudden they get sidetracked and they're looking at these other nations and they go, why can't we have what they have? And so then all of a sudden, now they're over here, and now they're over there, and now they're doing this, and now they're introducing this into their worship, and now this, and now all of a sudden they're giving themselves over sexually to this and that and this and that. And before you know it, God turns them over. And it's not because he's a bad God. It's not because he's God. See, all on the majority of my life, the majority of all of our lives, if I can speak for myself, I saw God in the wrong image. I let others teach me about God, and they were teaching me in error. <laughs> but once you get to know God, and you understand Him, like, oh, God, no, he, He's God. He's holy, 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 holy. Once we strip Him down and make Him common, we're following doctrines of demons. Oh, how I pray we wake up, 1 Thessalonians, Chapter 4, verse 3 through 8. God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passions like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Neither, never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife for the lord avenges all such sins as we have solemnly warned you before god has called us to live holy lives not impure lives therefore anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching but is rejecting god who gives us who gives us his holy spirit i'm sorry who gives his holy spirit to you Go to First Peter, Chapter Four. First Peter, Chapter Four, Verse One through Five. 1 Peter chapter four, verse one through five. So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your lives chasing, look at this again, your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. You have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties, and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, oh listen to this, even the Bible captures this for you. Of course your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do, so they slander you. But remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. You're not to continue to live out of your own desires any longer. You are a new creation if you're truly born again. You're truly a Christian. You're not chasing after yourself, running amok like that donkey sniffing in the air. For its mate. You're not running amok. Giving in to everything and anything. No, because you've given yourself to Christ. You see him for who he is. He's the risen Savior. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And He's returning to gather those who belong to Him and those who have rejected Him and is in rebellion to the living God they will be swallowed up into his wrath and cast into hell. Oh, but we don't like to hear that because we don't want to see God that way because we want to make God how we want him to be. It's easier for us, but that's not God. Well, how can a loving God send people to hell? No, a loving God is giving you the right to choose. You either receive his free gift or you choose to remain in rebellion towards him, he's a just God. He's a just God. Hell was not created for you. But if you choose to reject him, that's where you're spending eternity. Not because he's a bad God. No, because he's a just God. Hebrews 13 Hebrews 13, verse 4. Give honor to marriage, and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral, and those who commit adultery. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Here we go. The whole chapter. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are His dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered Himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. That there be no sexual morality, impurity, or greed among you, such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, that there be thankfulness to God. A greedy person will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm sorry. You can be sure that no immoral and pure greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. So don't be fooled. Oh God, hear this scripture. Verse 6. For our time and for this generation Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. Don't participate in things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light, for this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. How are you doing that daily? Take no part in wickedness and deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but those but like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Oh God, let us hear this. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything, To God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husband as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so wives should submit to their husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives. Jesus Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. Her husband. And even in today's society and the church culture, this is mocked. This is stripped down. Everyone is making excuses. Everyone is giving their own interpretation. Everyone is just running amok. The majority. I shouldn't say everyone, (laughs) There there are a few faithful. People, the remnant still out there holding to God's truth. Well, we just can't be holy all the time. I mean, some of the excuses I hear from people, I just go, What on earth? Then why are you looking? Why are you asking for counsel? One of my favorite things when I hear people say, Don't tell me to pray. Don't tell me to read my. Well, then what counsel do you want? You want the world's counsel? You're at where you're at because you're lacking in prayer. You're lacking devotion for the things of Christ. You're lacking in fellowship with Christ and with the body of Christ. You are at where you're at because of choices you have made to walk from Christ. The same standard that was set then for the church is the same standard that has been set for the church and will continue to be set for the church until Christ returns. There's no way around it. It's either Christ... You're either living for yourself or you're living for Christ. That's why discipleship is so important. It's so important so that you are getting grounded and rooted. Jesus himself looks at the disciples as he is ascending up, going to all the world. Preach the gospel. Share the good news baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all of my commandments. I mean, this is what we're to be doing. This is how we're to be living. And if this isn't what you want to live and how you want to live, then don't call yourself a Christian. (laughs) Because you haven't come to Christ. You haven't been born again. You're just a religious person. No different from all the other religious people that are exposed in the Word of God. To be born again, there is a way in which we are called to live. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Three more scriptures and we're done. Galatians chapter 5. And oh, I hope you're, I pray you're encouraged. This is good news. (laughs) The freedom that is found in Christ. The hope that is found in Christ. I told you, what's the first response that we do when we sin? We pull away. We ought not to pull away. We are to, to run to Christ. It's his loving kindness that brings us and leads us to repentance. He's not stiff arming us. We're stiff arming him. Galatians 5, chapter um, verses 16 through 25. These aren't these aren't foreign scriptures to us. These are scriptures that I've held up to myself and to us throughout the years. So he says here, So I say that the Holy Spirit guides your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter how long you all have been in church. It doesn't matter how you tithe, how you serve, how you pray, how all the scriptures you know. If you're living like this, willfully living and choosing to live like this, you're not inheriting the kingdom of God. I don't care how many times you've been baptized, how many times you've prayed, how many times you've done this, that, and this and that. All of it is, all it's been to you is religious works. A checklist, a checklist, a checklist. Oh, how I pray you come to Christ. That you would know Him intimately. That you have fellowship with Him and be free. Be free. And treasure that free gift of salvation, of freedom that is found in Christ. To be counted among His people. To live and impact your generation that he purposed you for. I keep telling you, you were purposed for this generation. As long as you have breath in your body, you were purposed for this generation. As dark as it's getting, you were purposed to go forth into it and bear light. To be about your father's business. To speak up and to tell truth. Here's the good news. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross, and they've crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives, just not when we want to come to church, but in every part of our lives, our daily lives. Let us not be conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Oh, there is a way in which we are called to live. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 19. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you have died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. Oh, how I pray you understand these scriptures, you all. Not just hearing them, but what does it mean? How are you living them out? He goes on, And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all of His glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual morality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world, because these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you, since God chose you, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must. Highlight that, circle that. It's not a suggestion. You must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body you were called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ In all of its richness, fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. We're going to stop at 1 Peter 2, verse 11 today. We'll pick back up on the rest of the scriptures. There's not... Not much, many not many more. But we'll pick up next Sunday to conclude these scriptures. But First Peter chapter two, verse eleven. <clears throat> Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against. Your very souls. These are scriptures on biblical sexual morality. And as I shared earlier, the law that just passed in Canada, the scriptures that were just read, and there's many more scriptures. Preachers have stepped up into the pulpits today in Canada. I don't know what's going to happen I don't know if they're going to be arrested or what kind of chaos will take place up there in that country today. But as of January 8th, it's against the law for them to preach the gospel. To talk about any sexual sin. To offer any hope to anyone who is living out the LGBTQ community. And oh, how I pray for boldness for them to stand up today and declare the truth. And as the letter I read earlier, as they reached out to pastors here in America for us to do the same, I'm standing with my brothers today in pulpits throughout Canada and throughout our nation to uphold biblical sexual morality and the truth of God's word. Oh, how I pray that you will walk away today encouraged that you would have uh, the scriptures that you need to go from this place to meditate upon, to pray upon, to, to, to think upon, to live out and to share with others. They need to hear God's design, man and woman, two genders. They need to understand the design for marriage, man and woman. They need to understand what it is to live And freedom and not enslaved to lustful desires. No matter where those desires are leading them. Again, they have every right. They are not our enemies. But they have every right to live however they want. We ought to be sharing the truth with them. Not beating them down. Not making jokes on them. Or making them feel uncomfortable. But loving them right where they're at. But upholding truth. Again, it's the truth that sets us free. We're going to take communion and then we're going to close our time, I'll close our time in prayer. So Norman, if you would come and as the song is being um, sung over us, I just pray that you find encouragement in it. And I pray that as the song is being played that you would take the time to, to pray and, and to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you and to, to lead you into repentance if needed.
1: Teaching them what was going to take place and why. So we hold this in our hands today because your word says, Do this in remembrance of me. So today we remember. We don't take for granted the sacrifice because your word also says that there has to be a blood payment for sin. Thank you, Jesus. So there was a blood payment made on our behalf, and now we can be united with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Take the cup.
0: We'll close this with this last song of worship, and I'm going to close this in prayer.
2: Uh uh-huh.